Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Again, are we glad we came to church today so far? It's good to be in God's presence. It's good to be in the presence of God's people. Uh, We are in a series that we're calling, that we've been calling Twisted Scripture. Twisted Scripture. Everyone should have an uh, outline. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. Those who are following us online, I want to welcome you. Uh, ask you to join us digitally. You can go online and, and follow along as we go through the scriptures this morning. Um, also, if you're from wherever you are, can you, if you have the ability, give us a shout out. As uh, say, I'm watching, and where you're watching from. Okay. Now, before I go into the specifics, I, I want to point out what we all know concerning faiths and belief systems in this country and abroad. There's a plethora of them. Of them. There's a lot of them, a, a veritable smorgasbord of religions to choose from. We have the big three that we've, been, that, that we've heard of, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. I believe we're going to touch on Islam. I plan to, unless the Lord changes something. But there's Buddhism and Hinduism. There's Taoism. There's a unification church that's out there. There's New Age in all its forms. We're going to touch on that one today. There's your choice of cults. Uh, Some of them consider themselves Christians. There's Mormonism and Scientology, Christian scientists, Jehovah Witness. And if that's not enough, you can go to, you can, there's Wicca and Spiritualism and Santeria, which is a cross between um, Catholicism and witchcraft. There is, although they wouldn't say that, but that's what it is. There's astrology and horoscopes. So one lady got real mad at me when she was posting her, her astrology and the, uh, and the horoscopes. And, and I said, do you realize that all, a few years ago they changed all the signs? If you were a Libra to you know, 20 years, all of a sudden they, they switched everything up on you. And you are living your life based on, you know, might as well be fortune cookies as far as I'm concerned. Um, she got really upset with me. There's voodoo and Satanism. Again, the list goes on and on. And in this country, how many know all of them are protected by religious freedom? Every single one of them. That's, and quite frankly, that's what's beautiful about this country is that we have uh, freedom of religious expression, the right to believe or not believe as you see fit, because we recognize that this is part of our God-given inalienable rights to choose our religious beliefs as we choose, as we want to, and, and, and many people have fought and died for that right. Now, go to other countries, they don't have that right. In, uh, in, in China, you know, he, they, the, the church is oppressed. North Korea, they, you, you, you'll end up in prison camps. There are certain Muslim regions in the country where Christianity has a real hard time. And so we are grateful and thankful for the for the ability to be able to pick and choose whatever one we want. But having said that, oftentimes we confuse uh, uh, what we call equal rights with equal views. We confuse equal rights with equal views. That's to say the right to choose or not to choose our religious beliefs with all religious views are equal in content and beliefs. Now, is that true? Well, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know 
uh, what the Bible, what we've been hearing from the Bible, the Apostle Paul didn't think that was true. Um, Jesus didn't think that was true. Uh, the passages in the Old Testament doesn't, doesn't say it. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1, 8 through 9. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under, what does it say? God's curse. And if that wasn't enough, he didn't just say it once, he said it twice. As we've already said, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So clearly the apostle Paul didn't think all religions were equal. He went on to say in 1 Corinthians 1.23, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now exactly what is it that offends them when, when it says the Jews are offended and, and the Gentiles think it's nonsense when, we, when they preach Christ? Well, uh, some people believe that Christ was Jesus' last name. It wasn't his last name. We don't know what his last name was. But it, it was his title. It was his calling. It was the, the ministry that he would have. He would be, the Christ means Messiah. And so when we're preaching that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, it offends the Jews. Why? Because they're still waiting for their Messiah. You understand? So it's an offense to the Jews and to the Gentiles that it's nonsense that, that through one man, God would, the sacrifice of one man, that God would save the entire world if they would put their trust and, and hopes in him. To them, that's nonsense. But it says, but all those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. But oftentimes, again, it's the exclusivity of, of what Jesus said that causes people to stumble. And this is what he said in John 14, 6. It says, Jesus answered and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. What, is it? what does it say? No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he wasn't saying he's just one of many ways. He was saying he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that's precisely what the world has a problem with. Because Jesus said he is the only way. When he said it, he meant he's the, he is the only way. Now, keep that in mind as we cover the subject this morning. Because a few years ago, I let you guys uh, listen to something that Oprah Winfrey says. I'm going to let you listen to it again. But I found the actual, back then it was only audio, but I, I found the actual video of what she said. Uh, and you'll see where she stumbles over what the Bible is teaching. Let's take a look at this. Doctrine. And um, I happened to be um, sitting in church in my late 20s. And I was going to this church where you had to get there and eight o'clock in the morning or you couldn't get a seat and a very uh, charismatic minister and everybody was just you know into the sermon and uh, this great uh, minister was preaching about how great God was and how omniscient and omnipresent and God is everything and then he said and the Lord thy God is a jealous God and I was you know caught up in the rapture of that moment until he said jealous 
and something struck me. Just, and I was like, uh, I think about 27 or 28. I was thinking, God is all, God is omnipresent, God is all. And God's also jealous. Jealous, God is jealous of me. Um, and something about that didn't, didn't feel right in my spirit because I believe that God is love and that God is in all things. And so that's when the, the, the search for something more than doctrine uh, started to stir within me. And I love this quote that uh, Eckhart has. Uh, this is one of my favorite quotes in uh, chapter one, where he says, man made God in his own image. The eternal, the infinite, and unnameable was reduced to a mental idol that you had to believe in and worship as my God or our God. Jesus. Yeah, is, uh, in the Old Testament, God was a jealous God, right? Well, it, God it is says. a jealous God in the New Testament, too, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, now, it seems rather a petty human emotion that uh, God would fall prey to je jealousy of all things. Okay, well... And him being all-powerful, omnis omniscient, and everything like what that. Is Why what, is, what is jealousy? It's, uh... Oh, goodness. <laughs> trying to think of an adequate way to describe it. Just envy over something. Okay, I mean, well, let me... I, you're a young guy. I don't suppose you're married, but let's suppose you are married. Um... If you're married to somebody and your wife goes off with somebody else, should you be jealous of that? Well, it's typical, yeah. But, but is, is, like that, is that righteous jealousy? Is righteous. jealousy always bad, in other words? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily, right? Because she's yours, she committed yourself to you, you committed yourself to her, she shouldn't be going off with somebody else. The same thing is true for God. See, we are God's creation. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. Now, this may seem like a revolutionary thought, but I think it's true. Not that I came up with it. Let me say this the right way. God wants us to be in fellowship with him, not for his benefit, but for ours. Because he doesn't get anything out of us being in fellowship with him. You can curse God all day, you're not gonna hurt him. You can love God and praise God all day, you're not gonna help him, why? He's an infinite being. So jealousy for him is righteous because he knows that you were created in his image and he wants what's best for you. He wants you to be with him. He doesn't get any benefit out of you obeying him. He doesn't get any hurt out of you cursing him. He's an infinite being. But out of love, he comes to earth and he offers himself as a sacrifice so that you could be reconciled to him, so he could remain just and you could be brought into his presence for eternity even though you're not just because he has imputed his righteousness to you. That's what Christianity is. Uh, so then going off of that, why would he want the praise of mere mortal men then? If it's he doesn't need to he doesn't he doesn't need, need it but no, why he does he even it. want it then? it's our benefit he's a loving God it's our benefit but why does he even want to say that oh I reckon that you need to have faith in me to uh, go to heaven or well okay well faith we need to define what we mean by faith we're not using the Richard Dawkins definition of faith where faith is is believing something against the evidence we're talking about faith a better word would be trust do you put your trust and assent to God? Do you 
have a volitional step of faith, a volitional step of trust to trust God. See, God is not going to force anybody into heaven against their will. All faith does is it demonstrates your acceptance of what Christ has done for you. He will not force you into heaven against your will. That would be unloving of him. In fact, Christopher Hitchens, whom I've debated a couple of times, at the end of his book, uh, he uh, says, I will not live under this divine tyranny. He thinks God is a divine dictator and he does not want to bow his knee to a creator. So you know what God says? You won't have to live under what you consider a divine tyranny. Hell is separation from me. Christopher does not want God in this life. God is not going to force himself on Christopher in the next life either. That's what hell is. Hell is separation from God. So God respects your free choice so much that he will allow you to go in the direction you want even if it will ultimately lead to your demise because he can't force you to love him. All he can do is give you the free will to accept the free gift. Amen. Now, at the time when Oprah uh, had that viewing audience, she had a viewing audience of 23 million people a week. 20, that's a big influence. 23 million people a week. And, and, have, and since she's rejected the exclusivity of Christ and what she has embraced in its place is what you heard her mention, Eckhart Tolle and the book behind her. It's called New Age. New Age. And she's become, a, over the years, quite a, an evangelist for this New Age ideology uh, which, by the way, is not new at all. It's, it's, it's very old in its content and its belief. In fact, that's the title of this morning's message, New Age, Old Stuff. New Age, Old Stuff. Because it comes out of Eastern philosophies, and it comes out of Hinduism and Confucianism and Taoism. Um, but you can even go back even further to, to it, because at the heart of what they teach, they teach and we'll get into it in the message, but they'll teach that you can become God and somehow. somehow. Now, we, where do we see that? We see that in the book of Genesis. Wasn't that the promise, the lie that the enemy told um, uh, Adam and Eve, that if you eat of this fruit, he doesn't want you to eat it because he knows that in the moment you eat this fruit, you shall become like God, knowing good and evil. And they ate the fruit. They didn't become like God, did they? It was a lie. And so... But again, how does she end up at this path? What does she do? She takes something that she heard from the Bible and she misinterprets it. She, she twists it to, to, to hear what she wants. This, actually, let me look at the scripture. Exodus 24 through 5, it says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. This is a, a, the Old Testament. Or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God. A jealous God, it says, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. And so she interpreted that to say what? That God, I, I don't know if you caught it, God's a jealous God? He's jealous of me? That's what she said. God is jealous of me? And he didn't say, it doesn't say God is jealous of you. God is jealous for you. How many know there's a big difference? <laughs> okay. He's jealous for you. There's a difference. He doesn't, he doesn't want us futilely 
chasing after false religions and fake gods and wasting our time chasing after things that cannot help or cannot see and cannot hear. Demons are behind it. People end up all bound up in foolishness and die and go to hell. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. Amen? Because he doesn't actually need anything from us. <laughs> okay? He wants our affection. And in her attempt to quote-unquote find the truth in her words, she has rejected the I am the way, the truth, and the life. She's rejected that, and she's embraced a lie. Now, here's why it's a lie. New Age is, and tuck this away somewhere, it's a theology of feel-good-ism. Universal tolerance, in other words, anything goes within this religion, and moral relativism. Feel-goodism, universal tolerance, and moral relativism. The term New Age refers to the Aquarian Age. And remember that song back in the day? This is the dawning of the... Oh, you heard it, you heard it, you heard it. You heard it. And, 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 and even John Lennon's song, um, what was that song? What is it? Imagine. Same concept. That's what they're talking about, this dawning of the Aquarian age, the, this new age that they're talking about. And, and, and it's supposed to bring in peace, and they say it will supposedly already be, out, be in this area, peace and enlightenment into the world and to reunite man with God. But it's not reuniting man with God the way we would say reuniting man with God is. It's reuniting man with his true self, the God within him. <laughs> We'll get to that. So new age versus the word of God. That's what we've been kind of doing, right? Comparing what they say versus what the Bible says. They say that, that it's all a lack of understanding that separates us from God and reality. Basically, it's just a, we just don't know enough. We're ignorant of certain truths. Man is presently considered as separated from God, not because of sin, but because of lack of understanding and knowledge concerning the true nature of God and reality. Now, you contrast that. We'll get to that true nature of God and reality. But you contrast that first part, not because of sin, but because of lack of knowledge. Contrast that with what the Bible says separates us from God. And the Bible says, quite frankly, it's sin that's separating us from, from God, from the knowledge of God. Isaiah 59.2, or separating us from God. Isaiah 59.2 but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your, help me out somebody, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. It doesn't just say it there. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6.23 says, and the wages for sin, remember that, is death. And so we already have a problem between what they're teaching and what the Bible says, they say it's basically ignorance that separates us. The Bible says, no, it's the sin that's in our lives that's separating us. Now, let's continue. In their world, in their grand scheme of things, man is the central figure. Man is at the top of the food chain. He's viewed as divine, as a co-creator, as the hope of the future peace and harmony in this world. But he's just asleep to that fact. He hasn't awakened to it. Now, Oprah's personal guru, you've heard her say it, is Eckhart Tolle. He's the author of two bestsellers, 
bestsellers because she made them bestsellers because you've got an audience of 23 million. Whatever book she puts up there becomes a bestseller. But he's got a book that's called The Power of Now and A New Earth. And in The New Earth, this is what he said. Awakened doing is the outer aspect of the next stage in the evolution of consciousness on our planet. Awakened doing is the outer aspect of the next stage in the evolution of consciousness on our planet. We'll explain it as we go. He goes on. We are in the midst of a momentous event in the evolution of human consciousness, but they won't be talking about that on the evening news. So what momentous event in the evolution of human consciousness is he referring to? And what are we supposed to be awakening to? Well, let me give you his next quote, and you tell me what, he, what we're awakening to. He says, at the time, I had no conceptual framework to help me understand what had happened to me. He's talking about an event that happened in his life that caused him to become awake. Years later, I realized that the acute suffering I felt that might have forced my consciousness to withdraw from identification with the unhappy self, the suffering little me, which is ultimately a fiction of the mind, this withdrawal must have been so complete the suffering self collapsed as if the plug had been pulled out of an inflatable toy and what was left was my true nature ready as the ever-present I am. Consciousness in its pure state prior to identification with form. You must also call it pure awareness or presence. So what is he referring to when he says he became awakened to his ever-present I am? He means that he's come in contact with his true God self. After he realized everything else was fiction of this mind, like all New Ages believe we need to do. Now, basically, he's come in contact with the God within. We talked about the Mormons. What was that, last week? And they say that at some point, if they do all the things that they're required to do, that somehow that God is going to give them a planet with all their wives and their children. This, at least the early church father said this. And they are going to become gods themselves once they die. With the New Agers, you don't even have to wait till you're dead. You can become God right now while you're living and breathing, okay? <laughs> now, how, how do they often will quote or misquote Jesus. They will take the things that Jesus says and they will twist it to, to meet their needs because that's what people do with twisted scriptures. That's what Satan does. He did it with Jesus when he was trying to tempt him into foolishness in the God, uh, when he was in the wilderness. He'll do it to you and he'll do it to me. But this is, they'll take this verse, John 5, 8, 58, Jesus speaking. He says, I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now, I've told you in that moment in verse, it's not up there, but 59, it says, and, they, and at this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Why would they pick up stones to stone him? Because they recognized what he was saying because they said, listen, you're not even 30 years old. Have you met Abraham? Abraham was born hundreds of years before him. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. And they recognized that he was making a statement of divinity, that he was, he was making himself or putting himself equal on the equal planes 
with God. And he can make that statement. You know why? Because he's the second person in the Trinity. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He can make a statement like that. We cannot. No one on this planet can make that statement without ending up in a psychiatric hospital somewhere. <laughs> Possibly. All right. So just more of the same original lies that the devil told in the garden. You will not die, but you will be like God. On page 57, he doesn't even, you know, he doesn't even leave it to guesswork. This is what he says. You realize your true identity is consciousness itself rather than what consciousness had identified with. That's the peace of God. The ultimate truth of who you are is not I am this or I am that, but I am. I am. And for those of you who are still not understanding the weight of what he's saying, where do we say, where do we, besides Jesus saying it, where else have we heard this statement? In the Old Testament, right? In the book of Exodus chapter 3, when Moses had this encounter with the burning bush, and it was God manifesting and giving him his, his call or his, his marching orders, and Moses well, let me just read it. He said, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, I am has sent me to you. So, you, you see what's going on here? They're making the same mistake Claiming that man is the center of the universe, they're making the same mistake that King Nebuchadnezzar, you remember him in the Old Testament, that he made. He was one of the richest, most powerful men at the time. He was, he was literally uh, at the top of his kingdom, was ruling the world as we knew it at the time. And then he got this dream, and the Bible says it came from heaven to give him a warning as to what his attitude should be in this position. And he couldn't figure out what the dream meant until Daniel came along, who was a prophet, and, and Daniel interpreted the dream for him. And this is what he said. He says, this is the interpretation in Daniel chapter 4, verse 24. Your majesty, this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times, which means seven years, will pass by for you until you acknowledge that, what does it say? The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge what? that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, he says, be pleased to accept my advice. Now I'm going to give you some advice. Renounce your state of mind. What does he, what does he say there? He says, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity 
will continue. Again, the most powerful man on the planet at the time. And so God gives him a warning and says, be careful in this position not to think that you are the be-all and the end-all. But the Bible says exactly 12 months later, one year later, verse 28, all this happened to the king Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the palace of, his, of Babylon, and he said this, listen, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He took credit for everything that he had seen, and in that moment he said it, the holy decree came down from heaven, and he lost his mind. And he was driven away from the people. And the Bible says he ended up for seven years. His hair was growing long. His fingernails grew long. And he was eating grass like the cows and the wildlife until, he was, until seven years later, he gave acknowledgement to the truth that heaven rules. Folks, you are not the center of your universe. I don't know who told you that. There are people who think that the world revolves around them. And it's just not true. Everything you have is because you have a gracious God, whether you acknowledge it or not, who has allowed you to have it. The very breath in your lungs and your capacity to even think is a gift from God that could be taken from you in a moment's notice. And so what does the Bible teach? Man is included in God's plans, but God is supreme. Amen? Amen. What else do they teach? They teach evolutionary godhood and global unity. Now let me unpack that for a moment. What is evolutionary godhood? It is the next step in evolution. It's the age of Aquarius that we talked about, where man is developing and will soon leap forward into new spiritual horizons. In other words, we are on the precipice. Who's seen the X-Men? Anyone? Don't lie. We don't have any X-Men fans. Oh, I got to take my glasses off. There you go. X-Men fans. In other words, in X-Men, there's some kind of gene in, in, in the people's body, and they're supposedly evolving into something else and giving them different powers. Well, as far as they're concerned, we are all evolving into a higher being. Man is developing, developing. And there are things that you can do, new age practices, which are designed to push you ahead into this, into this evolutionary process. You want to hear what some of them are? Astral projection is one of them. You have a picture of that? That's where, where you train your soul to leave your body and you travel around. So they lay down and they, and they, they uh, 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 train their soul to, to, to leave their body and to go to this place or go to that place or go over here. And my question to those who are practicing astral projection, when, you, when your soul leaves your body, what's going in your body? Now, I say this not just to be funny, because as a pastor, I promise you over the years, and by way of deliverance, I've had to deal with people who are involved in these types of nonsense. 
and they became plagued with demons. You understand what I'm saying? It sounds like a good idea, but it will open the door up to things that you do not want to be messing with. Astral projection. They will also encourage contacting spirit guides. They have books. I looked online. They have books and books on it. Here's one of them. It says, spirit guides, learn how to contact and communicate with your spirit guides so, so that they can speak through you and guide you. And you have heard of animal spirit guides and this spirit guide and that spirit guide. It's also known as channeling, channeling spirits, talking to spirits along those lines. Again, you will open yourself up to, to foolishness if you practice these things. They will use crystals, many of them. What are the crystals for? It's to purify your body and your mind's energy systems. Big business, by the way. They, they sell these things. They use visualization. Visualization is where they take mental imagery to imagine themselves in the presence of a divine being or as an animal or being healed of a sickness or becoming a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever it is. They will visualize it and they will, in the hopes of achieving what, they, what their goals are. All of it is basically means that, that, that when they utilize these things, that man will soon see himself as a god or what they call the Christ principle. And so if you are a god and have the so-called Christ principle in, in operation in your life, where does Jesus come in? He T- turn to someone and say, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. You don't need him. You don't, you don't need him. Of course, in Mr. Tolley's world, if, if you're God, then there's no conventional evil or consequences for sin. He said, if evil has any reality, and it has, an, and it has a relative one, not an absolute one, reality is... Also, its definition, complete identification with physical forms, thoughts, forms, emotional forms. You'll find that on page 22. In other words, in his world, in the New Age's world, evil is not being enlightened. That's it. So consequently, I want you to write this down. Man's basic nature, they say, is good and divine. It's good and divine. You just got to evolve, which opposes what the Word of God says that says our basic nature is not good. Our basic nature is corrupt. Jesus said, no one has to testify to me about men. He knows what's in the heart of a man. Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, who's the one man? Adam, and death through sin, And in this way, death came to who? Came to who? All men. Because all have sinned. Every single one of us have that sinful nature. Ephesians 2, 3, all of us us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our what? Sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were... we by nature, we were by nature objects of wrath. Objects of wrath by whom? God. Yes. Because of the sin in our lives, the Bible says we were under the consequences of sin. And the Bible tells us what the consequences of sin are. 
the wages of sin is death. All right? But in their world, again, there's no need for redemptive act of Christ at all because you are already divine and you have already arrived. Now, this is an important part of New Age thinking because the average New Ager believes himself to be divine. He can then create his own reality. Everything in his world is relative, which is a problem. Listen to me the problem that we're having in the world today. Some people don't have a problem. If everything is relative and there is no evil, there's no good or bad, there's no moral absolutes, and it's all subject to me, whatever I think or whatever you think, then the person who is robbing and looting doesn't have a problem, right? If a person is raping someone else, they don't have a problem, because the only person they have to answer to themselves, if a person decides to invade another country, no problem there. Because there's the, and, and kill innocent women and children, it is not a problem because they're only subject to themselves. They go on to teach that they can each create a reality for themselves that follows a different path. In other words, they have the ability to create. And the Bible says God alone is the creator. God alone is the creator. Isaiah 44, 24 says, This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Folks, we cannot create anything. We take what God has created and we turn it into something else. But we need something to make something. The, we, we take the tree and we turn it into chairs or, or pews. We take the chemicals from the ground or, or from the plants and we have turned it into, you know, uh, medicine. But none of us have the ability to do what God does, to take from absolutely nothing and create something. If you have nothing, you do not have the ability to create something out of Nothing. So the new ager who believes in his own divinity and ability to create, what does he do? He usurps the authority and the position of God. Now, where have we heard that before? Again, in Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Many of them believe in reincarnation. What is reincarnation? Anybody? Yes, you, you, you have many chances in this life. You just keep coming back as something else. Not all of them believe that, but a lot of them do. And they trace, the, they trace it right back to Eastern religions with a caste system and the belief in karma. The Hindu or the Buddhist philosophy states that the quality of someone's current and future lives is determined by that person's behavior in this previous life. In other words, if you, do, if you have this life and you do good, you, you'll graduate to something higher. If you, in this life you do bad, you might come back as a, a cow or, or a pig or, or, or a horse or a roach if you're really bad or, or something like that. And so in many places, that's why they said that in some places like in India and places like that where they have this belief, 
You see the cows roam in the streets. They won't do anything. You know, even if they are hungry, they won't do anything. Why? Because they think they might be killing Uncle Joe. You can see where this might be a problem, right? You and I may see a steak. some ribeye or, or some, you know, some nice cut, and they see Uncle Joe. <laughs> Contrast that with what the Bible says, we only have one life. Hebrews 9, 27, everyone must die. Help me out, somebody. Once, Once and after that be judged, uh, judged by God. It's the, the, new, the NIV says it's appointed on a man once to die, just once, and then the judgment. You are not going to live this life and, and some kind of karma is going to kick in, listen to me, and then get some kind of do-over again and again and again. You've got one life to live and one life to give. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man just like you were born uh, physically once to die once. Now, the Bible says we have to be born again if we want to see the Lord. Amen? Amen? Which brings us to the second major element of the New Age movement, which is what they call global unity. And I want you to stick with me on this one because I'm going to, there's a couple of things you, got, you have to hear about this that's important to what's going on in the world today. Global unity said that consists of three major divisions, man to man, man with God, man with nature, and man with God. Let's take the first one, man with man, man and man. The New Age movement teaches that we will all learn our proper divine relationship with one another and achieve harmony and mutual love and acceptance through the realization and acceptance of this divine and proper knowledge. And so within this hope for harmony is what they want. They want economic unity. And so the average New Age is looking for, listen, listen, a single world leader who with New Age principles will guide the world into a single harmonious economic whole. And it's also hoped that this leader will unite the world into a spiritual unity that is a one-world religion. Now, folks, let me just tell you this. When we look at Islam, Islam is looking for, what is it? They call it the Mahdi, or someone who's going to guide them in the last days and set up rules under him. The Jews, having rejected Jesus, is looking for the coming uh, uh, Messiah who's going to do the same thing, okay? And so you've got these religions converging on this one truth that they're all looking for this one man to set up a one-rule uh, system and a one-world government. Now, what is the Bible and Christianity say about that one man that's going to come on the scene. They got a name for him. They call him the Antichrist. You know why they call him the Antichrist? Well, because Second Thessalonians says in two, three, uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will come, will not come until the rebellion occurs, and the man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist, is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. Why? Because he will oppose and will exalt himself above everything that is called God or is worshipped. 
so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. (laughs) Oh, yes, it's going to start out well. But at some point, his colors are going to be revealed, and he's going to do what the New Agers are are teaching as well. He's going to proclaim himself to be God. This is why he's called the Antichrist, because there is only one God, amen? And his son, Jesus Christ. And so you can check him out. Write it down somewhere, Revelation 13, 14, 16, 19 talks about him. Now, not only do they seek unity with man through that process, they want global unity between man and nature because they teach that God is all. I don't know if you heard it because she said it. God is in all. God is all and all is God. The nature is also part of God in their religion. So man must then get in tune with nature and learn to nurture it and be nurtured by it. In this, all people can unite. And that's why they embrace, like the American Indian philosophies, they're popular among New Agers because they focus on the earth and on nature and man's relationship to it. The New Age philosophy generally seeks to merge with those philosophies and then put man and nature on an equal level. So they'll say that we... that that we are no more or no less or, or less important or different than our cousin. And who's our cousin? The bird, the fish, the monkey. So we must live in harmony with them and understand them and learn from them is the general philosophy of the new age. A few years ago, did you ever, did you ever catch that reel? There was this lady, oh, well, there was a bunch of people, there was a... a, a, a a father and a son fishing, and these guys with these mindsets of all is God and, 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 and God is in all and we're all equal, they had some fish in a bucket, and they ran up and started calling the murderers, you're murdering, you're murdering the fish, you're murdering the fish, and took the fish out and threw the fish back in <laughs> into, the, into the lake. Again, I see a fish patty, and they see God. Or they see that we are equal. When I was working in the school board, there was, we had a teacher who, who at one point, they were going to cut down an old tree that was in the courtyard, but she had this philosophy as trees are people too. And she climbed that tree, would not get out of that tree because you were going to murder the tree. Now, I don't know if she had anything wood in her house. (sighs) Now contrast that with what the word of God says. God created man to rule the earth. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and then let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. It goes on to say, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So folks, we are not equal to creation. We, we, are, 
We've been made in the image and likeness of God. In fact, the whole teaching of evolution is just a slap in the face <laughs> to, to the truth of what the, what the scripture says. Now, it doesn't mean that as men we, we abuse the planet. God gave us this planet. How many rather drink clean water than dirty water? Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and we have kids that we're going to leave it to. But unfortunately, in some people's minds, it's not even that we're equal. There are more protections for the, for the owl and the sea turtle than there is for a baby in the womb. And because there's no respect for life, you can see what the world is doing to, to each other. Genesis 2.15 tells us where to take care of the planet. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, the New Agers have a name for the earth. They call it Gaia, G-A-I-A, Gaia. And that comes from the Greek goddess of the earth, who is considered mother of all life. And, in, and, and they say the earth is supposed to be revered and respected, and some New Ages even worship the earth and nature. You know what the Bible calls worshiping a created thing? He said, I, the Lord thy God, I'm a jealous God. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Do not make for yourself the image of anything to bow down and worship. Anything you find in the earth, including the earth itself. They, they call it Mother Earth. It's not Mother Earth who created you. It's Father God. Amen? Amen. And so Exodus 23 says, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. This is idolatry. And so global, they want global unity, man with man. Man, when nature lasts, as we come to close this morning, they want global unity between man and God. They teach that man is divine by nature, and all people, once they see themselves as such, will be helped in their unity of purpose, love, and development. And so the goal is to fully realize our goodness, and then we will move into that next level that we need to be. Now, obviously, this contradicts the Scripture because this is what the Bible says. Regardless of what you think, it says there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one, which points us to our need for a Savior. Who does right all the time? No one does. That's why out of love, God sent his son, Jesus. Amen? Amen? Because he knew that we couldn't do it on ourself, by ourselves. Now, it should be noted that because New Ages seek to elevate themselves to Godhood, again, they must lower the majesty and the personhood of our Lord. In other words, the universe isn't big enough for the one true God, but it's supposedly big enough for a bunch of little gods running around. No moral absolutes. They claim to have a spiritual tolerance for all truths. They call it harmonization. But if everyone does what's right in their own eyes, how many of you knew that doesn't produce peace and harmony? If everyone does what's right in their own eyes, well, just look at the prison system. 
Come on, somebody. They did what was right in their own eyes, and that's where they ended up. And here's something that's interesting about the New Ages. They don't actually live what they believe. Because in reality, you can't do it. It doesn't work. You you can't live that way. They're sincere in many cases, but oftentimes they are sincerely wrong. And in some areas, they're bordering on witchcraft in their practices. Folks, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And so what do you do if you're here today and or under the sound of my voice, and you have been dabbling in some of these areas, or you know people. If you know people, you pray for them, right? You point out the scriptures as to why this isn't accurate or why why you shouldn't do these things. When I've had people come in that were doing all sorts of stuff, and, and they all consider themselves Christians, and they're, you know, casting spells, they're playing with crystals, they're doing, you know, what, what should you do? You take the Word of God, know what the Word of God teaches, you lovingly correct, rebuke, or, and, and let them know where they are in error. If you have those things, don't rationalize it, justify it, and, and baptize it. You get rid of it, amen? If you have those books, if you have those crystals, if you have those those things in your house, get rid of it. And when I say get rid of it, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to give it away, I'm going to sell it. It means throw it in the garbage. Have a bonfire. That's what they did in the, in the, in the New Testament. They were called, he, he'd preach, and there'd be people who have books on occults and all this other stuff, and they bring them after they got saved, they brought them to, the, to a place, and they Lit them on fire. Don't give them away. Throw them away. Get rid of them. Because it's full of lies. In order to get there, you had to twist the scripture like Oprah. And Oprah has a big old audience. God is not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He wants your affections. He understands that these things will only lead you bound up. They will promise everything and they will deliver nothing. You may think you're a God, but you are not. There is one who gave his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what is separating us from a personal relationship with him? It's the sin in our lives. And so God calls us to repent, forsake it, turn away from sin and self, and put our trust completely in Jesus Christ for the salvation of our souls. Does that make sense? So if you're here today and you've not yet accepted Jesus, or if you've been practicing those things, today would be a good time to repent and to surrender. I don't believe anyone's here by accident. I had a guy come as I closed this morning and I was teaching on a passage of the, uh, 
I had baptisms and they brought their friends here and I was teaching on the pastors that day how the Bible says we're not to go to mediums or people who read fortunes or anything like that. These are abominations to God. And apparently the friend was here and he, he, cons he consults the dead and he, he says he comes and he helps people and all this other stuff and he took issue with, with what I was saying. I said, listen, guy, I don't know you. I've never met you. But I love you in this regard. All right? Your issue is not with me. Your issue is with what the Word of God says. All right? Do not shoot the messenger. I'm only telling you what the Bible says. And whether you accept it or you don't, I won't be your judge. He will be your judge. Amen? And guess what? Get rid of that idea that you're going to die and keep coming back and keep coming back until you get it right. It's a pointer on a man wants to die and then the judgment. You will stand before the Father. And when you do, and 100 years from now, none of us are going to be in this room. We would have all experienced that. Are you going to be able to get into his heaven? What are you going to say to get in? If you say anything but I've surrendered my life, and you won't have to say anything because God knows who belongs to him anyway. It happens on this earth. I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I put my trust completely in him for the salvation of my, of my soul. But if you say Jesus and anything else, you're in trouble. It's only by grace through faith that we are saved. Amen? And so if you're here today and you've not yet accepted Jesus, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. As everyone bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're listening to me online, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender all to you. I acknowledge what your word says, that all have sinned. I have sinned. I have not always done the right things. I repent. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. I thank you for sending your son as a sacrifice in my place. I turn to him right now for the salvation of my soul. I believe that he died on the cross for me. Three days later, rose again. And because he lives, I can have faith that I will live as well. I surrender my life to you today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.